0: Welcome back to the Indiscriminate News. Now we're going to be talking about uh, Kabul and why the U.K. can't hold the airport alone without the U.S.'s support. Also, why Iraq is the Middle East new power broker. Um, Britain is preparing to deport more Zimbabweans and Thailand's Protests are turning deadly. First off, Afghanistan. Why the U.K. can't hold the airport without the United States? The United States is providing the bulk of the troops to keep the airport secure says BBC defense correspondent Jonathan Beale. It also essentially running an airport. The U.S. is also providing intelligence and surveillance for the operation, which would take significant time and resources. Without U.S. military power, there'd also be an increase in risk for those left behind. One of the main limiting factors for the UK is the air support. According to Nick Reynolds of the Royal United Services Institute, Think Tank, protection from fighter jets—excuse me—from fighter jets or helicopters is vital, particularly if the evacuation were to come under attack. The U.S. is currently providing this. The RAF's limited number of transport aircraft mean the UK does not have the capability capability to conduct the effective evacuation by itself, especially not under a time pressure. The UK's smaller Military capacity would be making it going uh, would be making going it alone very difficult and unrealistic. So, who has troops at Kabul? American troops are currently the largest presence at Hamid Karzai International Airport. Around six thousand are present. There have been American jets patrolling the skies as well as attack helicopters present. The UK has more than a thousand at the airport, including Army's A16 Air Assault Brigade. I wonder if the Taliban got uh, brave and decided to push into the airport. Smaller contingents from NATO, members including France, Germany, and Turkey, are also present. Norway has also been playing a role with with a hospital at the airbase. NATO says it has around 800 civilian contractors on the ground, most of them at the airport. So what does the UK want? UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson expected to urge U.S. President to postpone the planned August 31st withdrawal during an emergency meeting of the G7 leaders on Tuesday. On Monday, Armed Forces Minister James Hepe said about 1,800 eligible people or U.K. passport holders were made in Afghanistan. He said there's also 2,275 Afghans who can be resettled, having worked with the U.K. government and more people under a wider Afghan civil society who would like to get if we're able to. So it sounds like they're cherry picking. Uh, More than 6,600 people have been evacuated to the U.K. in the past week and further flights are planned. But Defense Secretary Ben Wallace has made clear that the American forces leave Kabul will have to leave as well. So what the U.S. said, U.K. – sorry, United States President Joe Biden said that there are discussions going on about the extending the August 31st deadline, but on Sunday he said he hopes he will not have to extend it. President Biden previously said the U.S. was doing everything it could do to provide safe evacuation for the Afghan allies. Uh, The U.S. has flown nearly 28,000 people out of the airport in the past week. The positions of the U.K. and U.S. reflect different priorities, according to Nick Reynolds. He said the U.K. wants to evacuate as many people as possible, with the timetable a secondary concern. Sticking to the th- August 31st deadline was a higher priority for the U.S. priority. Uh, what's the Taliban doing? So far, the Taliban have been cooperating, marshalling people into queues at the airport. But, at a, but a spokesperson on the August 31st deadline said the withdrawal was a red line. Oh, the August 31st withdrawal was a red line. So if they stayed longer, um, maybe they would start to throw down. Uh, Iraq is the new Middle East power broker. Last week, Turkish news site Aval reported that Iraq's government invited Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan to regional security summit that would include Iran, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Kuwait, and the European Union. Since then, other news outlets have reported that the guest lists also include the UAE, Qatar, and Egypt. The meeting, which is scheduled for late August, is just the last effort stretching back to 2019 on part of Iraq's leadership to be constructive force in the Middle East. This uh, marks quite a change before domestic instability, violence, and corruption in the aftermath of the American invasion became the dominant storylines about Iraq. The media analysts and government in the United States focused on the country as a source of regional instability. Not without good reason, of course. Iraqis played a role in overthrow King Hussein of Jordan in 1970. A decade later, Iraq President Saddam Hussein launched military options that would become the Iran-Iraq War, lasted eight years, and killed anyone, anywhere between one million to two million people. And Saddam also invaded Kuwait in 1990, declaring Iraq's declaring it Iraq's 19th province. Now Iraqi Prime Minister Mustafa al-Qadmidi, who gets high marks from almost everyone for his determination to alter Iraq's political and economic fortunes, has come to believe that they have a chance of resolving the problems inside Iraq. He must play a role to help settle the programs around it. He may be on to something. Instability in Iraq's neighborhoods contribute to the country's multiple problems, but does Baghdad have the influence, resources, and prestige to forge a more stable region? The Iraqi leader has some assets to work with here, mostly on his own prestige and the relationships fostered with the head of Iraqi intelligence services between 2016 and 2020. But it remains unclear why the Saudis, Emirates, or the Egyptians need Iraq's help. Okay, Britain de- uh, preparing to depart more Zimbabweans. Britain, which departed 14 Zimbabweans uh, from Zimbabwe, a month ago is expected to send back another 20 more people with criminal records. Um, pardon, Tapfumeni, an attorney representing some of them, uh, said deport, the deportation a part of an agreement made by the President Emerson's government and the UK for, uh, for the forced return people who committed crimes in Britain. Those caught will be sent back home, and everything depends on the status of their case. Most of these people. Cases have been exhausted. They've been here rejected by the courts and have gone through the court system about three or f- three to five years ago. Finally, Thailand's protests are turning dangerously violent. Thailand's mass protests in August 2020 almost had a festival atmosphere. Students turned celebrating, gave rousing speeches, and monarchical reform. Smaller protest groups abroad and beyond the fight for democracy to stand up for liberal causes such as LGBT rights. A public cautioned about COVID-19 that took the street with confidence. A year later, violence is daily. Riot cops are quick tear gas. Sitting activists, police box around uh, around the city have been destroyed. Roving groups on scooters harass street cops firing rubber bullets. Celebrity protesters languish in detention and face a potential sentence of a century or more. Oh my gosh. Protesters march even through Thailand has gone through a handful of COVID-19 cases, more than 20,000 a day with only 8% Thailand fully vaccinated. All right, everybody, I'm going to wrap it up right there. Thanks for listening to the Indiscriminate News Network. I'm your host, Jason St. Clair. Take care, and I hope everybody's doing well. Appreciate everybody listening. Thank you.